millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Dear sir, I write you this story of my attack by a werewolf last August. It was a clear moonlit night as myself and a friend were sitting outside my home. I lived near Oro Serra, Brazil, near a large lake. I had heard strange sounds coming from the lake valley for many nights. It reminded me of a snorting bull, but louder. There are legends of large demon dogs and stories of people who roam the night with wolf masks and steal sheep, but I never believed any of these tales. My friend, who lives near me in the valley, tends sheep, and he had lost two in recent days. 
There was no blood found, but there were large dog tracks in the mud by the lake's edge. We decided to wait out the night and search if we started to hear sounds again. The time was around 11 p.m. when we started to hear the grunts coming from below my property. It is a swampy area with a spring. We both carried shotguns hoping to find the varmint. We both thought it was probably a wild dog or manned wolf, though we had never seen anything over the years we had lived here. As we walked closer to the swamp, something stood up over the weeds. It was hard to see, but we both described it as a large wolf man and over two meters high. It stood like a man, but had a wolf head and upper body. We were both shocked at this sight. I was able to fire a shot as it ran off, but I was unsuccessful. But just a few minutes later, we heard the grunts again as it become louder and closer. This creature charged on all fours out of the weeds towards me. It got very close, but stopped and turned when my friend shot behind it. It was so close that he shot away so I would not be struck. It ran towards the valley. We tried to find this creature for weeks, but never heard it again. Some of the local people think we witnessed the werewolf. I will never question the legends in the future. Do you have any idea what we saw? The local authorities refused to search for it, though I feel it may have left the area. This happened four years ago, when my boyfriend and I were still sort of fresh into the relationship. My sister had recommended me a snorkeling trip for a fun thing to do with him. It was this quarry, surrounded by a campground that is filled in with water, and it's known for its crystal clear water and its diving. There's apparently a helicopter and school bus that people dive down to see. My boyfriend and I decided to go camping for the night. While we were checking in, we separately both got a bad feeling about the place, but had kept it to ourselves until after we left. So at first it was a really good time. We snorkeled in the shallowish area of the quarry, and although the depth of the water was a bit uncanny, I still was enjoying myself. The water is sixty-five feet deep. So once you had swam out of the shallow area, it immediately dropped off and it was pitch black. This is actually where I realized I am terrified of water. Besides the dark, deep water while you were swimming, there is something very scary about a lake that is perfectly still. I assume, because it is a quarry, the water doesn't have a current. My boyfriend and are winding down our night, and we are back at our campsite. We are camping in a grassy patch down a hill from the road. Our tent is pitched in a wooded area that our campsite is extended to, and just across the green is a campsite that looks well lived in, but our neighbors were out. We're making hot dogs over the fire. When our neighbors get back, it's nighttime now, and they immediately go to sleep. I'd say twenty, thirty minutes after they get back is when things started to become spooky. My boyfriend and I were chatting when we noticed a dark figure watching us from up the hill. Because of the shadow of the fire, we could not actually make out the characteristics of the figure, but we knew he was staring directly at us, almost hiding behind our neighbor's truck. He had watched us for what? felt like forever until he started walking down the road again. We both watched him in dead silence, watching him walk behind trees. The same ones connected to our campsite, but that also went in between us and him. I anticipated each time I'd see him walk forward, out from behind a tree. It was a good four or five he came out from. It wasn't until after this I noticed he had stopped walking, or he was behind the tree still. I was totally freaked out. Where did he go? 
I watched my boyfriend looking at what happened and thinking the same thing, but he had shrugged it off and I naively did too. We actually ended up forgetting about it and went to the quarry late night. It was beautiful seeing the stars reflected against the water, but the deep now, all black water was terrifying to say the least. We walked back to our campsite, lied in our tent and smoked a joint. I soon began to feel an uneasy feeling which I was trying to ignore, telling myself it's because I was high. After some silence between us, my boyfriend says to me, do you feel like we're being watched? I said, why would you say that half-joking but full serious that I was scared? My boyfriend wanted to get out from the tent, so we're standing by my car, and I got this stupid idea that being in the middle of the field. Hatch in the middle of the campground is the safest place for us. My logic being, if someone was going to come up at us, at least we'd be able to see them. So we're in the middle of this field when we see a similar-looking shadow figure from earlier staring at us. He must have been about twenty yards away. We both notice him while walking, and he's walking in the same direction as us. We change directions, and so does he. We tell one another if we change again, and he does too, that we're booking it to my car. When we change, he follows and we book it to the car. I watched him from my seat as he slowly walked back into the darkness while still staring in our direction. My boyfriend at this point says to me, let's get out of here, I agree, but all our camping gear is outside. We quietly get our things together, not trying to freak the other one out. The weirdest part of this story, in my opinion, is the next part. My headlights weren't working, and there was a weird fog over my windshield that didn't go away no matter what we did. We had to drive out of woods with only low beams and strange fog over the window. We barely could see but got out of there. Weirdly enough, the fog went away right as soon as we go to the gas station. We got home around one at night. I told my father the story the next day, and he said he's glad we got out of there or else we could have gotten murdered. Two people have died at this campground while snorkeling, which I find out after I got back. My boyfriend and I think it was either a person trying to kill us or a Wendigo. We've kind of settled on the Wendigo because what happened was so unexplainable to us. My girlfriend and I had always loved spending time in the great outdoors, so when we had a free weekend, we decided to take a camping trip high in the Cascade Mountains. We were excited about the adventure that lay ahead of us as we set off with our backpacks filled with essential supplies and our spirits brimming with anticipation. Our first day hiking through the mountains was nothing short of magical. The breathtaking vistas, the crisp mountain air, and the sounds of nature all around us made us feel truly alive. As night fell, we set up camp in a small clearing, sharing a warm meal by the fire before crawling into our tent, ready for good night's sleep. Sometime around 1 or 2 a.m., I awoke to a smell so pungent and indescribable that it instantly snapped me out of my slumber. The stench filled the tent, making it almost unbearable to breathe. I nudged my girlfriend awake, only to find her already wide-eyed and alert, clearly disturbed by the same smell. We exchanged worried glances, trying to make sense of the situation. The smell was so intense and unlike anything we'd ever encountered before. I peered out of the tent, scanning the dark surroundings for any sign of what could be causing the odor. But the night was pitch black, revealing nothing. 
My girlfriend, seemingly overwhelmed by the smell, or perhaps just frightened by the unknown, suddenly fell back asleep. I couldn't believe it. How could she sleep at a time like this? I stayed awake, my senses on high alert, prepared for whatever might come our way. Thirty minutes later, my girlfriend stirred from her unexpected slumber. The smell had disappeared as mysteriously as it had arrived, leaving us with more questions than answers. We spent the rest of the night wide awake, discussing what could have possibly caused such a strange and unsettling experience. Though we never discovered the source of that indescribable smell, it remains etched in our memories as a reminder that the wilderness can still hold secrets and surprises, even for the most seasoned adventurers. I'm a single male, 33, who lives alone in Denver. My apartment complex is not what you would call a nice building. I'm on a road close to Colfax Avenue, which, if you're familiar with the geography of this area, is not the safest boulevard in town. And I'm a few streets away from it, but close enough that I wouldn't consider this an up-and-coming neighborhood. This evening I was watching Netflix on my couch. My two cats were cuddled up against me as I lay under a comforter. The night before I had watched a horror movie that was scary enough to leave me in an unsettled mood, making it hard to sleep. So this night I decided to watch a stand-up special instead. Keep it light so I wouldn't have any trouble getting some shut. I, I have classes early then next morning, so I was surprised when I made the conscious decision to turn on a second stand-up special and let myself fall asleep on the couch. I was just so comfy where I lay and didn't want to move, not even to turn off the several lights on throughout my apartment. I remember dozing off around eleven o'clock. It was effortless, which meant I was really snug under the covers with my cats flanking me on either end, creating a tucked-in feeling. I fell into a dream wherein I was on an impromptu date with this guy whom I didn't recognize at a blockbuster video store. He bought me blue and yellow underwear, you know, like a blockbuster would sell in Dreamland, insinuating I would take the hint of his intentions. He was also desperate for a job, so when we got to the counter, he was given an off-the-cuff interview that didn't go well, and all of a sudden I'm not sleeping anymore. I'm woken up by a knock at my door. Then a man's voice says maintenance. I just sat there sitting bolt upright on my couch. I knew something was off. I looked at my phone, which was by my left hand, and the time was 2.15 a.m. I didn't move. The floors in my apartment are old wood, and there are many creaky floorboards. I didn't want whoever was knocking to know someone was at home and awake, let alone alert to his presence. My cats got up and ran over to the door as they normally would, but I stayed still and listened. After a few minutes with no answer, the man walked away from the door and down the hallway to the stairs. A moment after that, I heard the back door to the building swing open and closed. I have one window where I have a partial view of that door, so I break my paralysis and race over to it. I saw an old-looking green sieve sitting in the no-parking zone just in front of the back door. It must have been running the entire time because I didn't hear it start up and the brake lights were glowing red. Someone, presumably the maintenance man, got in the car and it drove off. I don't know what his intentions were, but no one knocks on someone's door at 2.15 a.m. claiming to work for the landlord with good deeds in mind. 
Had it been a true emergency, wouldn't he have knocked again? Used his service key to get into the unit. What did I just avoid here? I could only assume it was an attempted robbery at best or abduction at worst. When I was watching the SUV drive off, I surveyed the other apartment windows. They were all dark. I can see every unit except the two other corner apartments below me from that vantage point. I think because my apartment sticks out from the building and has many windows, I was targeted because my lights were visibly on and noticeable from the street. However, I don't know how this individual got into the building in the first place, as you would need a key to do so. I have never been so legitimately afraid as a single person living alone. I'm grateful I installed a security chain on my door when I moved in. I'm also so glad that even in my disoriented state, I had the presence of mind not to move from the couch or make any noise. As I recount the event, I can't stop my eyes from leaking tears, though I wouldn't call it crying. My nerves are definitely shot. I don't think I'll be going back to dreamland anytime soon. I have turned off all the lights save for the lamp by my bed. I usually can't sleep with it on. Tonight I don't think I could sleep with it off. One day I was walking through the woods with my dog and my mom. I live about 20 minutes away from the wood. As I'm walking, we wanted to go home, but... My mom was old and couldn't walk home, so she took my car home. I continued to walk home for about 15 minutes. Normally I would be in my neighborhood already, but I wasn't. I didn't think anything of it and just kept walking in the direction to get home. At the time, I started walking back. It was 8.30, but it was 9 now, and I still wasn't home. I decided to call my mom to come get me because I thought I was lost. When she came to where I said I was, she didn't see me. I decided to go on the side of the road, and she finally found me. As we were heading home, we weren't going to the right way. When we got home, it wasn't our house, but my key worked, and all of our stuff was in it. The next morning, when I woke up, I was in my actual house. I asked my mom what happened last night, and she said we only went for a walk and came back here. Was it all a dream? This occurred about one year ago last summer. It was a weekday morning and I was still working from home, post-pandemic. I am a middle-aged woman and home alone. I live on a suburban street with houses ferry spaced apart. Think 60s as ranches with half-acre lots. My backyard is fenced in. Chain-link fence with metal gate. I have a covered patio that is decorated and furnished. The patio has two short wood privacy fences on either side that block the neighbor's view and the gate in the fence. I am sitting in my family room on the couch, feet propped up, working on my laptop facing the windows that look out to the patio. All of a sudden I see a person walk in front of the window on the patio. I am thinking WT. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
58 who's in my backyard. There is a wall between the windows and back door. So I can't see the person anymore. I jump up and do the stupidest thing. I open the back door, peek my head around, and yell, What the hell are you doing? I came face to face with this 20-something kid wearing a reflective vest holding what looks to me like a small metal detector. He says, Checking for gas. By now, my dogs are behind me at the door. I replied, We don't have gas. The man kid just turned around and walked away. I noticed he wore no name badge, no company logo, had no obvious phone or device for work, etc. I immediately locked the door and ran to the front window. I see my catty corner neighbor out in her driveway. I step out and yell, Hey, Ellen, was there a utility guy in your yard? Ellen yells, You mean that guy? and points right at the kid as he is attempting to walk up another driveway. By now, Ellen and I have met in the street, and I guess two women, pointing at him, scared him off because he stopped and just started walking away down the road. My street is a one-way-in, one-way-out kind of deal, not connected to other neighborhoods. We saw no utility trucks or contractor vehicles anywhere, no cars parked on the street, and my home really does not have gas utilities. It is all electric. I went back inside because I had to attend an online work meeting. Later, my neighbor and I both called the gas company and were both told they had no one in the area and knew nothing about checking gas lines. I did call the sheriff later that afternoon. They sent out a deputy, took a report. The deputy was pretty annoyed that we didn't report sooner. And that, uh opened the door and confronted the guy, as was my husband. I wasn't even scared in the moment, but I was freaked out the rest of the day. I put my 80-pound shepherd husky mix out back the rest of the day. Wish he had have been outside when he walked up. I have seen something strange at night driving home, and I can't for the life of me figure out what it was. Some people say it was a Newfoundland Bigfoot, and I decided to look it up since I haven't heard of one here before. Then, led me to your site and the story of the boys from St. John's. I'd love to share my story. On my way home, in February 2017, we had a week of warm weather, and my boyfriend and I were driving home on Big Triton Island on Highway 380. We came around to turn off one of the bridges next to a mussel farm, and... In the distance, I saw something so big that it scared me. It was far enough away that the headlights couldn't shine a light on it, but close enough that the rays of light highlighted it just enough for me to see its outline, and its eyes lit up like two big saucers. When it heard the car, it turned its head to look at us. That's when its eyes flared up and I saw just how tall it was. At first I thought it was a big moose because of its size, and then I knew it wasn't when it ran off the road so fast the headlights didn't even touch it, and I got to see just how huge the limbs were. Anyone who's anyone knows a moose has skinny little legs, but this one had huge muscular ones, similar to a bear's but also different because its paws were different, like large human hands. It was perhaps maybe a second or second and a half flat for it to get off the road and go completely out of sight. I slowed down as I neared where I had seen it and tried to look around the ditch which had a huge clearing before the tree line. There was a small cluster of about five trees in the middle where it was recently cleared and the animal was nowhere in sight. 
Normally, I'm naturally curious and would stick around to try to see an animal, but I felt threatened and very much in danger. So I drove on. I know there are a lot of bears in the area, but I have never seen one that big, and I have seen and photographed many bears since they are so common. It took up most of the road, and its reaction to seeing the car and ever so stealthy retreating off the road was so creepy because you could see it was intelligent, not fearful of the car. It didn't want to be hit by the light so it can remain in the shadows. It simply didn't want want to be seen. It struck me as so smart, so big, so unlike anything I have seen on the island. I thought perhaps it was a bear up early because of the warm weather. But it was the biggest mofo I have ever seen, and it's winter. I mistook it for a freaking full-grown moose. I don't know what I saw, but it's the first time I've ever seen anything like that, and it was by far the biggest thing I have seen on the island. I was really frightened, and normally I'm excited to see wildlife. My boyfriend didn't see it, but he's night blind, and I have to keep an eye out for moose when he drives and let him know if I see them, because my night sight is really good. Two years ago, I lived in a fly, in community in northern Manitoba. I lived there for two years and tried to experience everything the location had to offer. I got into hunting and took to exploring around on the ski, due that was at my disposal. One day I went grouse hunting down the ice road on the Skydo. I had been out for a while in minus 35 Celsius and managed to get a grouse. After I got the grouse, my only thoughts were on getting home. It was only then I realized how cold I was. I was already shivering, and I was about 17 kilometers away from the town. I hadn't seen anyone all morning either. As I started back, I could only go so fast. Otherwise, the wind would wick away any heat my gear had trapped. That was the first time I really felt mortal. That was the first time I realized that if I stopped moving, I would die. It took me well over an hour to get back near civilization. When I finally got in the door, I was frantic. My wife realized I was in the beginning stages of hypothermia and pushed me to alternate between jumping jacks and push-ups while she prepared me something warm to drink. That was probably my creepiest experience. That is the last time I will go out alone like that. If this community ski-doo had have quit on me, which was very possible, I would have needed some quick thinking to make it out of there. Lots of dumb choices that day. When I was between five and nine, I lived in a pretty big house built in the fifties, the smallest bedroom, and the youngest of four. At the end of a hallway, my room had a tiny balcony. Many nights I would wake up with the fist of an object falling from a shelf to the floor. When I opened my eyes, I soon learned not to just stay under my blanket and pray it away. I would see a dark shadow back up slowly onto the balcony, stay there for a few seconds, then kind of swoop away over it. This presence ranks low on the creepy scale. When I was about 14, I was at a friend's house and her cousins were visiting. They decided to break out the wider board. I was terrified, so I went to the next room to watch cartoons with her little brother. After a while, I hear a screech, and soon enough, they all come stumbling in on us. An older cousin cracks up and confesses that she blew out the candle to give everyone the creeps. And then they tell me that 
the presence had made itself known, but that it didn't want to answer questions. It kept on asking, where's Akasha? No one from there knew this, but that was my secret username for chat rooms and a secret diary. Back in 1998, I was into vampires. I almost puked, but since I didn't see or feel anything, this one also thinks low on the creepy scale. At university, 2003, I had a very cute room in a shared apartment. It had a mezzanine where my bed and closet was. From day one, I did everything I could to make it feel cozy, but I had a feeling in the pit of my stomach very often. At night, it wasn't uncommon for me to hear pages flipping through my study book slowly, at the rate a person would actually read it. At first, I just freaked out in my bed without daring to look down, praying it away or listening to music on my headphones. Then one day, I followed advice and just said very loudly and firmly, go away, and it stopped. I fell asleep, reassured that I found a solution to the studious spirit situation. A few weeks later, one night I was violently woken up with a feeling of someone sort of yanking, pulling at my lower limbs, surrounded in what I can only describe as a translucent purple-eye haze that made a like a crackling, swooshing, static sound. I couldn't shake it off, and I was having a hard time yelling, as if it was a nightmare, but my eyes were wide open and I was struggling to free myself from an external pressure that felt like I was toothpaste being squeezed out from a tube. I finished, managed to say, stop. Please stop. And all of a sudden did. This felt like it lasted forever, but it was barely a few seconds. That was by far the scariest one. Last one, I was in Chicago, staying in a very old, beautiful house, not creepy at all. On my second night there, I woke up feeling a pressure pushing down on my back and shoulders like two warm, gloved hands. It didn't startle me awake, and it didn't feel malignant, but it did scare the bejesus out of me when I woke up and realized I was alone in there and that no one could have done that. Not sure these are scary to readers, but they did have a huge impact on my belief system, nightmares, and how I enter an unknown house. My grandfather was a medium when he was very young late teens, early twenties, for a few years until a priest told him it was better not to connect both realms. On August 29, 2009, I was fishing from a boat with my son on Racetown Lake, Pennsylvania. It was around 6.45 p.m. and we were making our way back to the landing. We were near the Snydertown portion of the lake where there is a point of land. As we were heading south, I looked toward the west shore after my son started to point at something. I really have no idea what this thing was, but it looked like a large, thick black snake with a huge head that bobbed in and out of the water. I moved a little bit closer, but my son was getting scared, so I cut the motor and looked through my binoculars. The body was moving in coils or humps up and down in the water. The creature had no fins like a fish and the head was diamond, shaped. The weirdest feature was that the eyes, which were dark, somewhat small, and slanted, were not set on the side of the head, but placed forward. I got an excellent look through the binoculars. I'd say it was about 50 yards from us. When it raised up, its head moved side to side. It made no sound. I'd say it was at least 20 feet long. I have lived in Altoona, Pennsylvania for only a few years, and this is only the second time I have fished this lake. 
I'm from Wisconsin and have fished many large lakes and rivers, but I've never seen anything this big. We watched for about two, three minutes until it slipped under the surface. My son's description was very similar to mine, but he said he noticed lighter, colored whiskers or rays on the chin and face while looking through the binoculars. I had tried to take a photo with my cell phone, but it just blended in with the water and was not discernible. This is nuts. My friends think we saw a large fish or mammal, but there is no way it's either. Please give me some guidance or resources to help identify this. I am skeptical of monsters, ghosts, UFOs, etc., and don't buy into much of what people describe on TV. But now that I've seen something that I can't explain, let's say I'm confused and frustrated. I was visiting my grandparents last week, and I stayed a night. They have two guest rooms upstairs that no one ever sleeps in, and they never go up there. The two rooms are connected by one straight hallway, and there are two doors in the hallway. One will lead down the stairs, and the other is the bathroom. Well, I always sleep in the same bedroom when I visit, because the bed is very comfortable, and the bed in the other room is very squeaky. The upstairs act is a window unit located in the room with the squeaky bed, so I always go in there to turn it on, and then I leave the bedroom doors open so my room gets cold as well. So anyways, I was laying in my bed. Couldn't really sleep when I heard the bed down the hall start squeaking. It sounded like someone was jumping on it. It was very loud. I got up and it was pitch black, couldn't see a thing. I walked to the doorway of my room and said hello instantly, and the squeaking stopped. And I turned the lights on and went in the room. The bed was a mess. It wasn't when I was in there up two hours before and no one had been in there. My grandfather's is a minister and... I'm not sure what his beliefs are on ghosts or spirits. He has lived in that house for almost 30 years. I did not tell them what happened in fear they would think I was crazy. Oh, I just made the bed the next morning. I'll share a story that a buddy of mine who was also in the fire department with me experienced something similar to what you and your mom went through. His encounter was even more unsettling. He described encountering a figure that had no face and possessed a blue-gray complexion. Strangely, he couldn't determine the gender of the entity, but he had a strong feeling that it was a she. When the figure turned towards him, he heard a piercing scream, but his child, who was asleep in the back, remained undisturbed. It seemed as though only he could hear it. As she pointed in his direction, my friend was about five feet away from her, or maybe he started further away and unknowingly moved closer. A few days later, we received a call for an unattended death. Upon arriving at the scene, we discovered that the deceased woman was wearing the same clothing as the figure my friend had encountered. She was dressed in baggy yellow pants and a bright blue shirt that had an unusual design, one rarely seen. The sight sent my buddy into a state of panic, and he had to retreat and wait by the truck. When the medical examiner arrived, they carefully handled the body, and it was during the process of rolling her over that we made a shocking realization. The woman had a nylon stocking placed over her face. Further heightening the eerie connection between her and the figure my friend had encountered, the incident left us all shaken, contemplating the strange links between the supernatural encounter and the tragic death 
It's one of those experiences that leaves you with more questions than answers. And it's something that we still discuss amongst ourselves, trying to make sense of it all.